0: Hey everyone, Marilyn Hughes of the Out-of-Body Travel Foundation doing a little live stream here right now on your questions. Um, Wanted to welcome all our members, our subscribers, and everyone else who might be joining us this evening. Um, I wanted to give you a little reminder to please subscribe to our channel because subscriptions help us to remain searchable on YouTube, but also please become a member if you can, uh, because memberships help us to keep our resources free for everyone in the world. And so if you'd like to look into that, you can click the subscribe button or the join now button up in uh, the upper right hand corner of the Facebook page and check out our membership options and just click on subscribe and be subscribed. It's very simple and it helps us a lot. So thank you very much. So we're taking some questions, so everyone's welcome to come on into the chat room and and share your questions, and I have some that people have sent to me, which I'll begin with. Welcome, Anna Yell, thank you for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it, glad you're here. And um, here we go. Feel free to ask questions, everyone, because that's what this is for. Okay, so my first question this evening is, are there optimal times of the day to have an out of body experience? Like to say hello to Vicki. Hi there. Glad you're here with us. So, you know, that's a great question. Um, what my own experience has been, and also what I've heard from other people, and that's why I'll share it, is that there is a period of time, uh, it's almost like in the early morning, which would be. later stages of sleep, if you're sleeping, you know, the nighttime hours where your sleep cycles shift. And there can be this ideal period of time uh, just early in the morning, uh, depending on what time you go to bed at night, what time you get up in the morning. I would say that's like between four and nine o'clock in the morning a.m. There's also another time that I have found, and other people have told me that they have also found this to be uh, easier for them, is afternoon times. So anywhere from like 1 p.m. through 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. Not really sure why these times seem to correlate with more activity, but they do seem to do so. It It can definitely have to do with, you know, the times of day that your adrenals are shooting out, um, Uh, hormones and things like that. And that can impact your ability to go into deeper states of consciousness. So absolutely early morning and afternoon. And that afternoon time is when I usually recommend for people to try to do those long three hour meditation periods, because those are the types of things that will uh, generally um, help to bring your soul to the deeper level of consciousness that will uh, make you get close to that level of consciousness, the vibrational state, which is very deep. And so you need some time to get there. So anyway, let's move on to the next question, which is are there times when we should not attempt to have an out-of-body experience? Um, No times of the day. um, I think that... The times you would not want to attempt would be um, if you are going through any type of spiritual warfare or any dark periods that could end up translating into your experience. If for any particular reason, if you are a person who is overly sensitive and therefore the the windows and doors to the demonic are more open to you, then um, those are... the kinds of people that I would suggest don't try it because that is sometimes uh, it can open doors. It can open doors. It can call things in that you don't want to be coming in. So one of the things we definitely know about um, like people who are plagued by um, spiritual oppression or obsession or other types of uh, demonic things is that they can have an unusual sensitivity. Um, and that would be the type of person that I would just say, don't even try to do it. You know, if you want to read about it, great, do that, but don't try to do it. If it's happening anyway, then, you know, then you're going to need to learn to cultivate the experience and all of those things that come along with it. But, um, but there are sometimes, uh, instances with people that you would suggest, no, don't try this as a practice for yourself, at least not at this time. Hello, John Boy. Welcome. Thank you for coming. This is your questions. So everyone, welcome to ask whatever questions you might have. So this is your time. So, uh, so is there anything that we should not attempt to do or learn while in the out-of-body travel state? That's a good question. Um, Gosh, you know, I'm always telling people, uh, the things to avoid, like using out-of-body travel as a, like a parlor game, playing around with it, using it with the seriousness and the holiness that it, uh, entails, um, in terms of anything in particular, that's coming to mind right now, uh, anything you should not attempt to do or learn, um, Well, I'm sure there are things you shouldn't attempt to do. Uh, You want to be, uh, you know, following the experience from the standpoint of respect and honor. And, you know, I'm always encouraging people to allow God and the divine to direct your experience rather than you trying to do anything in particular. And the reason for that is that. If you are uh, trying to direct it yourself, then you will find that you will travel to less extensive places because you're going to try to see things that you might be able to think up. Whereas in the mystical spheres, there's so many things that are so far beyond what any of us might think up that it is only by surrendering to the spirit, surrendering to, to God that we can become more capable of Uh, uh, finding and discovering the new things that we don't even know about, you know, so I always suggest that. So uh, I'm always telling people do not play around with things like Ouija boards. I mean, so I would not uh, attempt to do anything to communicate with the spirit world through a Ouija board. Um, And the reasons for that are, uh, just think about this, and, and common sense might dictate this to you, that um, who responds to that? And so there's your, there's your the, the question and the answer in that is going to tell you why you don't want to do that. In angels and celestial hierarchies and God himself do not respond to Ouija board. Those forces, those hierarchies, God himself, they respond to prayer. So what what you find in the Ouija board phenomenon is that you're going to hear from lost souls, wandering spirits, ghosts, and unfortunately, dark souls. And you're also going to hear from uh, demonic souls. And so that's something you shouldn't attempt. Now, there are going to be other things that you shouldn't attempt in the out-of-body experience but you have to kind of use these guidelines to um, determine that the guidelines of thinking about the respect and the holy honor and that you're not playing around with it, that you're not uh, trying to prove something to yourself or to other people, that you are experiencing this as a holy spiritual practice. And those guidelines will help you to discern for yourself if if you've thought of something to try in the out-of-body travel state, that wouldn't occur to me, but that will help you to discern if that's a good idea or a bad idea. Keep in mind at all times, holy respect and honor for the divine. It looks like we have a comment or a question from Anna Yell. Thank you, Anna Yell. Do you know how much work we do subconsciously? Uh, In your books, I noticed you often have interactions with many who are subconscious while you're conscious and while I'm consciously traveling. So it's an excellent question. Um, Yell says, I'm not sure if that's subconscious or unconscious, and that's pretty hard to determine, and it really doesn't matter. Subconscious, unconscious. We'll just go with subconscious for now. Um, We learn a ton, subconsciously. There is so much that goes on in our spiritual life while we are sleeping. People would be blown away by all of this work that we see that occurs. It's going on constantly. Whenever you're out and you're not conscious of it, um, you can be assured that things are happening. Now, more things are going to be happening to people who are reaching out praying, calling out for help from God, people who are spiritually seeking actively. Um, So you may see less activity with those who are completely disinterested in the evolution of the soul or in progress spiritually or even just not interested in spiritual matters at all, whether you're an atheist, agnostic or whatever. It's always possible there will be less activity in certain souls who are uh, engaging in their life in a, in a less spiritually involved way. But even with, with, with all of those people, there is constantly um, activity going on. The irony is, is I was shown uh, years ago about how uh, the consciousness, you know, conscious and unconscious consciousness, the subconscious, um, is like a circle. And our physical awareness is the bottom part of this circle, the bottom half. And that is kind of like our what we are consciously aware of during our lifetimes. Then the upper part of that circle is everything that's going on in the mystical, the spiritual realms. And um, and it was shown to me, most humans, are not conscious at all of this entire upper half of our existence, our experience as human souls. Um, But it's just riddled with angelic activity and the implanting of ideas and thoughts in our subconscious mind. Now, adversely as well, for those who may be involved in a more darker path, an evil path, they will also receive these subconscious promptings that come from the dark side or from demonic sources. And so again, we go back to how we draw in that which we are compatible to and that which we are seeking because um, ironically, what we are seeking almost becomes even more important because it creates a forward motion into uh, our future and into our spiritual evolution and unfoldment. Um, and so when we are not in alignment with that, then we will receive influx from a different source, if that makes sense. But yes, there is so much activity that we learn subconsciously, uh, Everything from dealing with our human pitfalls like uh, grieving or marital problems or boyfriend, girlfriend problems, family problems. We receive guidance and direction. We receive guidance and direction about the karmic thrust and impetus that um, is going on in our relationships in our human world, as well as the other things in our life that we are being encouraged to identify uh, so that we can begin that process of karmic purification. And Yell says, this is separate from our dreams when we are in deep sleep. It's both, actually, Yell. So um, excellent point. It is both. So you will, you will have these things that you're aware of that you may remember from dreams. And of course, those who have out-of-body experiences, but there is a whole bunch of other stuff that happens that we're not aware of at all. So we're not remembering it in our dreams. Sometimes people will also report, hello, MT, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, Uh, You know, so what we will find is sometimes people will have a conscious awareness that a lot was going on the previous night, but the moment they awaken, that might have been taken from their memory, and but they know that there was a bunch of stuff going on, and that's what's happening. It's all this unconscious work, and it can very well oftentimes be very frustrating because you, you have these points of consciousness. So prior to waking, you have this awareness that there was a lot of activity, you were being taught something. And then the moment you wake, it's just poof, it's gone. You know, Hello, Adriana, welcome, thank you for joining us. Um, and what happens then is that uh, we can get very frustrated, but the, the, good, uh, the good news about it is when we are supposed to and ready to remember these things, we do start doing so. And so, and I still have to do this myself, even after, you know, decades and decades of doing this, get, I get frustrated because I can't remember. And I have to remind myself, it's okay, because when it's time for the next level to emerge, I will start remembering that again. and But we can have a lot of stuff that's happening subconsciously uh, at all different levels of our journey. Um, Vicki Collins says, absolutely true. Yes, so very much so. Um, the, in your you're remembering portions of it, perhaps. Some people are remembering portions in their dreams. Some people are having out-of-body experiences, either here and there or a lot. But all the other time that you don't remember, there is often a whole, a whole nother world going on there of information and input programming, things that are being given to us. I've watched this also, you know, uh, I've mentioned a few times about the out-of-body travel foundation headquarters in the mystical spheres. And, um, because I've been there and a lot of our members have been there and shared their stories with us. Um, When I go there, I have seen that there will be these bunk beds and there are these subconscious sleeping souls there, Um, members of the foundation who are able to get there at night, probably not aware that they're there. (laughs) And these beautiful golden angels just go about the room. And with each soul, they put their hand on their forehead. And then they are able to sense what adjustments they need energetically, what kind of light transformation they need. And they just do it. It's um, and the, it, literally it's just a little bit of light coming out of their hands. And it's like it's almost like a chiropractic adjustment, but it's a spiritual adjustment. And then they just go on to the next person, the next, the next, the next. So there's all these little subtle things that are being done that are happening in our spiritual and energy bodies during our states at night when we're sleeping. And, um, and again, we only remember a small portion. So I mean, even for instance, like uh, someone like myself and many of you who have these experiences Think about how much of the time you don't know or recall what happened. And all of those times, uh, there are other things happening and going on of which you are unaware. So even those of us who have a lot of recall over the years, there is still all of this other time where the angelic realm is making adjustments to us in our subconscious sleeping on a yell. No, Adriana says, a few times this month, I went in the vibrations waking up, but I can't remember. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Isn't that the most frustrating thing? (laughs) Yeah. And don't worry about it, Adriana, because um, that is something that will work itself out. And, you know, for those, the rest of you here, Adriana has been having some beautiful experiences beginning now. Um, And what you're seeing here is you are going consciously into the vibrational state, and then you're not able to take it further yet. But each time that this happens, your spiritual body is being prepared, your energy body is being raised up, and uh, at some point you will go into that vibrational state, And you will have the ability to take it further or because this happens to a lot of people too, or you will eventually find that you'll go unconscious and then you will wake up and it'll be after you've already left your body. And some people that will be the primary way they travel uh, because there are people who have never experienced the vibrational state but who have profound spiritual dreams and mystical experiences, but they bypass, at least in terms of their subconscious mind is kicked in, that process of separation. So they will go to sleep and then they will awake in the dream, so to speak. Uh, and that is also something that may happen and could happen. And that is just as legitimate experience. It's nice when you can have the entire uh, process conscious, go through the vibrational state, the separation and traveling and learning about the corridors and all these things. But it's not essential and not everyone does it the exact same way. So uh, don't worry about it, Adriana. Um, I understand the it's probably frustrating you because it it always frustrates all of us. And no matter how far along in your journey, you get very frustrated when you have these false starts or things go subconscious and you really were wanting to remember because you have at least the memory that something important happened and you can't bring it back yet because it's simply not yet time. Adriana says, I feel very tired in the morning when I wake up with a feeling that I was in some sort of activity that made me tired. Yes, (laughs) yes, that will happen too. Most especially when people start engaging in spiritual warfare, for those who are called in that direction, that can be extremely exhausting. But you can also uh, just have fatigue and exhaustion and be tired just by the nature of the fact that there is activity going on And there is this waking up process going on. So you're finding that uh, you're no longer just flat asleep. When you go to sleep at night, you are now entering into this activity zone. And so, yes, it is not uncommon at all to be very tired. Um, Exactly. very Adriana says, very frustrating because I know something is going on. I totally understand that. And I think everyone who has these experiences understands that Vicki says tremblings inside, not yet, not visible purple brushes of fragrance, among other things, it is all ramping up. Wow. That sounds very interesting. Vicki. Vicki has quite a few experiences too. um, feel free to expand on, uh, what you believe is ramping up right now. Um, Vicky has this very interesting and unique uh, gift, where she receives kind of prophetic experiences. So, not sure if you're referring to um, some of these prophetic things ramping up, or if you are, when you're saying not visible purple brushes of fragrance, if you are feeling which, which is what I would think is possibly what you're saying. And definitely I'm getting a lot of energy here from that. So I'm going to say that this is possibly what's happening is with the fragrance um, uh, purple brushes of fragrance uh, ramping up. That's uh, very possibly a movement into another level of spiritual experience. You could be going into, you know, like the initiations into the mysteries, the rites of passage. Um, I wrote one of my books called The Fragrance of the Mystical Rose. Ironically, what you just said is right along, you know, right along what you would expect to hear in that. And that has to do with the initiations, the rites. We have another person that's just entered the room. 77 sunsets. If you had a bad relationship with a person in a past life, can this be carried over into your present incarnation? Yes. And in fact, not only can it, but it, it's, all, it's more likely that it will be than it won't. Um, because what you're trying to do is bring all, all things to unity, to bring it back to unity. So these unresolved conflicts, these unresolved relationships, you often will come back in and then be put in a position where you can try to resolve it in a different way. The, the challenge, of course, is trying to put together, well, what exactly happened between us in the past? And that's often where these past life recalls come in because When you have the past life recalls, if you're keeping a journal of those things, you're going to start seeing patterns of behavior. And you might even figure out just from that, um, what exactly is the recurring pattern, the recurring habitual actions that you and the other person or persons engage in that generally never work out? And then what you're going to do is you're going to go into what you do recall and take a look at, okay, in this particular life that I've remembered, I handled it this way. And in this one, I handled it this way. And in this one over here, I handled it this way. And none of those things served to resolve it. So now you have a database of things that you have done that did not work. And that helps you to rule out, okay, so uh, these are the things I did already that did not work and were not the, you know, the correct answer to creating resolution to this karmic pattern in my, you know, in my historical lifetimes. So therefore, what other ways would I go about this? And this is actually one of those things. It's a big part of the mysteries of the redemption starting in Prelude to a Dream. Hello, Nicole. Welcome in. Great to see you. Um, You know, so in the Mysteries of the Redemption, when you start with the first first book, the Prelude to a Dream, and then it moves through the other, there's five in that particular book, and then there's all the sequels that come after it. But what you're going to see is that there is this mapping out Of the karmic self and how most of our karmic purification has to do with either and or both relationships, unresolved relationships, which need purification and things that revolve around our calling in different lifetimes and not reaching that goal that we set out for our soul spiritually and in terms of vocation what it is that we wanted to master in this life and so what you find and if you take a look um 77 sunsets uh considered reading you can download the mysteries of the redemption at outofbodytravel.org and you'll find that that process is outlined very clearly as to how those uh relational issues become pivotal in the purification process. It's like the very first thing that we are all hit with in terms of uh, immediately taking a look at this is what I need to observe. This is what I need to recognize is repeating in this lifetime. And I have to Prayerfully seek out how to approach it, resolve it differently this time, so that it's actually a true and complete resolution. So, Gwen Moon has just joined us. Welcome, Gwen. Nice to see you. Hello, back. Great to see you as well. And so, I hope that's helpful. So, feel free to tell me, 77 sunsets, if you have any further thoughts or any further details there, if there's any questions remaining from what I tried to lay out there, because that is a complex issue. But absolutely, uh, not only can it, but most likely it is. It's almost inevitable for all of us that these past relationships will come forward. Um, So let's see here. We're going back to my list of questions that people have sent in. And so... I have a question. Are there certain body positions that can enhance the out of body experience? Interesting. Good question. Um, and the reason that's a good question is because, you know, I'm always telling people I want you to meditate for long periods of time, three hours at a time, if you can, um, because that's so very important. And why? because you want your consciousness to go deep enough to enter into the vibrational state that takes time and practice. So I always tell people meditate lying down. And the reason for that is if you're going to go into the vibrational state where you might have the opportunity for an out of body experience, you want your body in a position where you're not going to just like fall over and knock yourself out of the consciousness level that you've worked so hard to achieve. You want to be in position to leave your body. And so I just generally recommend lying down. It can be on your back or whatever position you're comfortable with. Myself, I usually start out with meditating on my back. um, And and that seems to be very helpful for me. Uh, But it's the most important part of it is being lying down. And then, you know, as I'm meditating on my back, as the meditation progresses, I may roll to a side or another side, whatever, but I will start out there. And ironically, I'm doing something here that relates to the next question here, which is, should we do anything with our hands to enhance the out-of-body experience? And I was just doing this. This was something that I was taught by the Assisi Marauders, which is to multiply the frequency and vibration you bring your hands together like this almost like a house and the tips of your fingers meet one another the way it was shown to me was you you're doing this when you're in the vibrational state you do this um, in certain out-of-body travel experiences but i will often do it while i'm praying or meditating and they had shown me that when you're in the vibrational state you will, start with the thumbs, join them, and slowly bring them together because every time there's a joining of those fingers, there is an exponential increase in frequency when you're doing this in the vibrational state. So that's one thing I will do. Now, when I meditate, I usually have my hands just right here on my chest, lying on my chest like this, which is just flat across my chest. I try to get myself in a position where I'm as comfortable as I can be uh, because that will help to get to the consciousness level that you need. Looks like we have a couple of comments or questions. Vicki says, my understanding is that amplifications are coming upon us. We are going to bear witness in the days to come. Vicki uses D-A-Z-E in uh, quotation marks. So in the days... And in the days. So, in the days, as in uh, days of our lives, and days, as in being dazed and confused to come, trackling, oh, trickling, sorry, Vicki, trickling ends of fear of the Lord, if you will, as truth flowers. Okay, trickling ends of fear of the Lord, if you will, as truth flowers. And so, I know from your other experiences, Vicki. That uh, ones uh, it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, Vicki. Um, that uh, many of your experiences have uh, focused on very much the the fact of the loss of fear of the Lord, the loss of holy respect to God, and that this is where these amplifications that you are seeing are coming in, which is that it's kind of going to thrust upon us, so to speak, the necessity of that proper fear of the Lord, respect for God, respect for uh, the hierarchy of being, of the universal cosmos. Um, And so that's what I am thinking you are saying. And if, if that's wrong, feel free to, Uh, correct in any way, Uh, but that sounds to me, and especially based on the other experiences you've shared with me, that this is a continuation of what you've been seeing, which is the days to come is going to literally force us out of our days um, and thrust us into fear of the Lord, respect of the Lord, love of the Lord. Um, But what you are talking about here with the fear of the Lord is more of a uh, that there is a respect that has been lost that will be restored that's what I would read that to mean so feel free to uh, elaborate Adriana says what happens to a soul if the soul doesn't pass the test to a higher realm and didn't fail completely to a lower realm and yet the soul no longer wishes to incarnate anymore? What a great question, Adriana. (laughs) Okay, so let's take this in pieces. So if the soul doesn't pass the test to the higher realm, first of all, the first thing I would say, I'm going to take it in parts here because there's different answers that go along the way, but I know this is more of a complete thought. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Generally, when we don't pass the test, to a higher realm or a higher attainment, we go back and we keep trying. We try over and over and over again. Now, I think what you're referring to is like at the moment of death, but I'm gonna talk about both because that's what I do. So so whenever we don't pass a test, and again, that's something that, uh, again, that's something that people really beat themselves up over. Um, the thing to remember is that we all do that there. We will all fail along the way. And we have a loving and merciful universe that will and loving and merciful God who will uh, keep sending assistance to help us to get, climb up that next step. So that's the first thing to remember is we will try and try again until we do. Um, when you're speaking of the moment of death, we take it to the next part of this question, but didn't fail completely to a lower realm. And so this is where the teaching of purgatory comes in. You see, so if you're not holy enough, you haven't purified enough to enter into heaven, which is most of us, you know, uh, most of us, uh. uh. I, I would say the only person, and you can't even guarantee that that's the case either. But you know, the only person I would say probably is okay and went straight to heaven would be someone like a Mother Teresa. The rest of us, the rest of us, are going to have purifications to undergo, and so this is where purgatory comes in because most of us are not holy enough to just walk into the presence of God. And we're not bad enough to just be thrust into a lower sphere. We are still purifying. And so that is, purgatory is realms where purification take place. Ironically, where we are now is a purgatorial realm. But there are many purgatorial realms. There's a purgatory that happens after death. But these purgatories are not necessarily all in the same sphere. Just as there are many, many heavenly realms, there are many, many purgatorial realms as well. And there are many, many lower realms. So for instance, uh, we know that the higher realms uh, exist in an infinite variety over infinite attainments of love and light. In the lower realms, in the hell realms, we know that there are an infinite uh, number of hell realms and or lower realms where different vices or configurations of vices or different forms of evil uh, are dealt with. They're not all in one place. This is the thing that, um, that uh, we have to change our thinking a little bit on. And in purgatory, it's the same thing. So Um, One of the most common things that I've seen with people that I work with who are in their afterlife journey are the chaos realms. And those are purgatorial realms. And these are the realms that a lot of people who really didn't spend a lot of time on their spiritual development during life and who were just caught up in running around, running around, running around kind of aimlessly. And they go into these chaos realms. And there's not just one. There's different forms of chaos that people have to purify from. And so there's many different chaos realms, but they are, uh, what is notable about them is that there is this circling, this running around, like mindlessly running around. And then in these chaos realms, people are then learning to focus, become more one-pointed and then actually do something useful for their spiritual development, which then moves them out of that chaos sphere into the next purgatorial purification realm. And a person in their afterlife journey can go to tens, hundreds of these, depending on what their process will need to be. And um, and so that's very important. And then the rest. Okay, so and yet the soul no longer wishes to incarnate anymore. And so this is what I would say to that. And the reason I giggle when I read that is because I I would have to say that everybody who ever writes to me tells me I just don't want to have to reincarnate anymore. I don't want to have to incarnate anymore. So I think I would say that applies to all of us. Nobody wants to. Um, And so what happens in the afterlife journey then is that we either find ways to undergo the purification that is needed for us in these afterlife realms, these spiritual spheres, or we will make a decision with the higher parts of our soul and that would become with the divine impetus that would indicate another incarnation would be the best way to handle this. And again, here, incarnating doesn't even have to be in this world. There are other mortal realms where you can incarnate, where it might be more appropriate for whatever your soul's thrust are. The majority of us, because this is kind of our home planet, so to speak, might find ourselves most drawn to this world because it's what we're we know what we're comfortable with there are many others and when you go into the heavenly spheres you meet many of these souls who come from many other worlds and i'm not just talking about extraterrestrial worlds because there are those too but that's a whole nother subject but i'm talking about other worlds that serve this function of karmic purification so it may not be exactly here Um, For most of us, it probably will if you're going to have to do that or choose to do that. There is a process that goes on where we are informed um, of the deficiencies and the things that we need to overcome. And and then there's a decision that we are making along with our higher self, along with the divine influx as to what will handle it the best. We have a couple more questions coming in, so I want to get to those. But Adriana, let me know if if I didn't cover something there. Um, Feel free to uh, ask me any further questions if I missed anything or something I said didn't completely make sense. So we have a question from 77 sunsets. And Gwen moon, let's start with 77 sunsets. Whenever I have had an OBE, there is always some type of entity that I cannot see, but is trying to attack me. I never see them only hear or feel their presence. Okay. And this is not uncommon, uh, but this is, um, you know, a spiritual warfare type situation, 77. And so what you're dealing with there, uh concerns me in the fact that every time you have an OBE, that type of entity is there because um, there could be more to it. And so in your case, my recommendation would be to pull back, close that door, don't seek to have the out-of-body experiences, but start in the prayerful process of trying to discern what this entity is and why it's there. Um, Because what we have is each of us is compatible to different things. And especially at the beginning of our journey, we have things that we're compatible to that we don't even realize. And so this is indicative that there is something that is attached to you And that there is some reason why it is there, why it's being allowed into your presence. And you want to discover what that reason is to the best of your ability in order to determine how best to deal with it. It's really important that this is dealt with um, in a proper way. Um, So just some things to do because I don't know if You're one of those people who just has the OBEs, whether you try to or not, um, because there are people who do. And then if that's the case, you need to know how to handle this. And so what you want to do is have our Lord's Prayer ready and on hand, especially the first stanza of our Lord's Prayer, which is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The reason why that part is so powerful is because you are literally calling down heaven to earth. It's And it is one of the most powerful exorcism prayers in the mystical experience, in the out-of-body travel state. Another one that I'd like to hand off to you is Christ crucified. You just repeat it over and over and over again. I wrote about that in the Mysteries of the Redemption, and actually just about four days ago, I had one of the most fierce spiritual warfares I've had in literally years, had to use them all, had to pull them all out. Um, It was intense and it was pretty crazy. Um, Another thing that you want to have in your pocket there, 77, is you need to be uh, asking if when you feel the presence or anything like this, are you here... Uh, because God Almighty has sent you to me. Has the Lord Jesus Christ sent you to teach me? And of course, the answer will be no. They may not say that. They probably won't say anything. But then once you have put the question out, then you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I command you to leave. And you say it as many times as you need to. There are certain eternal laws that are in place um, that allow for our protection. One of the things that a lot of people misunderstand, they think that uh, I tell people to call on Jesus Christ because I was just always, you know, I was raised Catholic or I was a Christian. And it's like, no, I wasn't. I became Catholic after decades of the experiences and being led in that direction. And the reason I tell you to call on our Lord Jesus Christ is because that's what works in the out-of-body travel state. You find this out very quickly. Another thing you can do is call for the protection of Saint Michael the Archangel and the Blessed Mother, um, and these three in particular are going to be your your primary army. Um, but again, you want to have the Lord's Prayer, Christ crucified you wanna make sure you remember that you command them to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. They cannot, they cannot ignore that. There's an eternal law that does not allow them to. Um, the St. Michael prayer is St. Michael the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, through the power of Almighty God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. So that's the St. Michael prayer. You can also, 77, I am not sure if it's still available online. Um, there used to be an actual bishop approved exorcism that was on YouTube that was done by a priest. And I actually have it on CD because I burned it down from YouTube so that when I'm undergoing spiritual warfare uh, or I have experiences and find that my space has been invaded in any way by uh, lost souls, wandering spirits, dark spirits, demonic spirits, or whatever, I can play the exorcism during the day while I'm awake And I can play the exorcism in the room where I'm going to be sleeping. And this will be helpful to um, push that along to clean the atmosphere, so to speak. But these are really, really important uh, things. And I I just want to stress that do not take that lightly because that is something that seems to be embedded with you. And that can be a danger to you and you don't want to mess around with it. So you want to get empowered. And I think I just saw a little message. Gwen says the armor of God. Yes, you want to put on the armor of God. And if you need help with that, you can always email me and I can point you in the direction of some books that you might want to take a look at to help you get emboldened in that way. And before I lose the track of all these comments... Um, let me make sure I'm keeping up. Um, so I'm going to uh, pull out what these uh, people have said. And then I'm going to go back to Gwen, who has a comment or a question up there. Adriana says, absolutely. So I don't want to incarnate to Earth. It's too negative here. <laughs> yeah, everyone feels that way. You're You're in good company. Adriana says, I can't help but thinking that I made a mistake coming to Earth. You didn't make a mistake. You're here for a reason make good use of this incarnation, Adriana. Don't, um, don't allow yourself to get caught up in that kind of thing because it will turn you away from your focus, which is to discover why you are here and what you need to do to accomplish so that when you are finished this time around, that you may have accomplished that. Thank you for always advising prayers and calling on Jesus Christ, of course. Gwen, the armor of God. Lauren Day, amen. Vicki Collins, I can affirm, name of Jesus, absolutely powerful, revered ways we cannot comprehend. Well said, Vicki. Well said. Revered ways we cannot comprehend. We don't really understand it. And I have to say that when I first, because I was not, you know, a Catholic when I was writing my first books, you know, the mysteries of are I became a Catholic in the year 2000, everything in the mysteries of the redemption Galactica and all that was written, um, prior to that. Um, and so I was very surprised when I discovered that this was just the way things were the way that the eternal moves in the spiritual realms, um, and so we learn, you know, we don't call on the Buddha or Edgar Casey. doesn't mean they're not important because they are, they're part of the Royal family of God, but we call on Jesus Christ when there is an issue of darkness, demonic infiltration, whatever. Um, Adriana says, our Lord Jesus Christ is the real McCoy. <laughs> yes. And he is who he said he was. When you go to the heavenly spheres, this is something you find out very quickly He is who he said he is, and it is a mystery. And so we'll just let it be that. Um, It is still there, the one above from MT. There's part one and part two. Okay, yes. And um, Vicki, out of all the souls, Adriana, here in this time, remember God chose you, not a mistake. Absolutely, well said. And going back to Gwen, Gwen made a comment or a question Our our vibration is simply embodied. We have the tools. I'm saying this slowly because what she said there is profoundly important and powerful. So I'll say it again. Our vibration is simply embodied. Well said beautifully. We have the tools to control both the shell and the spirit of our souls. We will always be a million places at the same time, all in different timelines. Beautifully stated, Gwen. I'm going to say that again, too. And, you know, this is something that people have trouble understanding because it involves past, future, present lifetimes, overlapping realities, parallel realities, energy strains, strands of karma, all these things but we will always be, be in a million places at the same time but all in different timelines and ironically i'm going to add to that gwen not necessarily in different timelines many of those overlapping similar timelines as well and so what does what does that tell us to do here it tells us our conscious focus is in this one. And it's been put here for a reason, that conscious focus of our awareness is here. That means our work is here. That's going back to Adriana's comment as well about not wanting to be here. But our conscious focus has been put here. And don't feel bad about that, Adriana, because I feel that way just about every single day. (laughs) And everyone that emails me and everyone I communicate with says exactly the same thing. Everyone's like, how do I make sure I don't reincarnate again? That's why I giggle when people say it, because everyone feels that way. Everyone says it. Let's see where I left off here in this line. Um, Yell uh, says, if you ask or intend to go to the out-of-body travel foundation in the astral, will you automatically go there for help? That's a good question. And I can't say that you automatically will go there for help. And the reason why, again, which is going back to what we discussed earlier, which is that we don't want to limit God. So when we call out for help, certainly you can ask for that and it might happen or it might happen and you won't remember it or whatever. But if there is a better way or if you're not ready for it, for whatever reason, then you will be led to the better way or you won't remember it or it won't happen yet. And so uh, always give God room to answer your requests for help in the best way rather than the way that we think might be cool or might be um you know, might be the best, but yet we don't know, God knows. And so, yes, you can definitely ask for that and then see what happens. Because a lot of people have reported to me going there and they have, they, they remember it and I've seen it. And many of our moderators and our regular uh, people who have been around for a while, who now have lots of experiences have also been there. And so definitely be open to it but never close that door for God to respond to your plea for help in the best way possible in that moment, whatever that might be. And so Adriana says, thank you, Marilyn, for your beautiful words. Thank you very much, Adriana. I mean, your question was fantastic. Um, I think a lot of people here probably found it very helpful. Thank you, Vicki. Lauren Day, is there a powerful prayer for addiction? Wow, that's a good question. And, you know, I'm going to throw that out to everyone watching if anyone has any specific prayers. But, you know, the first thing that would come to my mind would be the chaplet of the divine mercy and the conversion prayer of the divine mercy. Um, and the reason for that is because of the promises made with that prayer to St. Faustina uh, and with the chaplet, the promise was made. That if you pray this for a soul who is crossed over, that they will be given immediate entrance into heaven. Their sins will be forgiven. They will be purified. And if for some reason they are unable to accept the grace or unwilling, it will go to another soul. So it's never wasted. And that chaplet goes, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity, of our dearly beloved son, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. Amen. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Now that's just the portion of the prayer. The chaplet is done on an actual rosary. So you'll start out with the Apostles' Creed and our Father, three Hail Marys. And then on the Our Father beads, you're going to do the Eternal Father prayer. On the Hail Mary beads, you're going to do for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. And once you've done the entire five decades, you will say three times, Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. And after you've done that three times, you will do the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the conversion prayer has some very interesting promises as well, which is that Jesus promised that for anyone you pray this soul for, that he will grant them the grace of final conversion. And conversion, at whatever point in their life, they are able to receive it. And if for some reason they are unable to receive the grace, it will go to another soul who can receive the grace. And it's a very simple prayer. And this is why I think it might work for addiction because it's for the conversion of heart. And in addiction, you have a conversion of heart, but a conversion of soul and body as well, because addiction is a physical uh, problem to overcome. And so this one goes, oh, blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy for us, I trust in you. That's the conversion prayer. And you can pray that for yourself. You can pray that for others. Um, There are a lot of things that I would probably add to that. Like for addiction, um, uh, I would say, uh, I'm trying to find out, um, Lauren, Lauren addiction, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but I would love if, if you're talking about for your own addiction or for someone who will allow you to do this and they will cooperate with it, um, I would suggest getting what's called a miraculous medal. And this is a medal that was brought to the world in the, I'd say early to mid 1800s by Catherine Laboure, who was a profound mystic And this miraculous medal is also accompanied with lots of promises. And what you need when you are trying to overcome something like addiction is a lot of grace. And the miraculous medal um, is known for imbuing grace on those who will wear it. And so just by virtue of wearing the miraculous medal, you can look it up on Amazon and see if you can find one there. But I'd like to tell you a quick story from Catherine Labore about grace that is very appropriate for someone fighting addiction, which is that when she had her vision about the miraculous metal, she was in the convent. She was a nun. And by the way, she's an incorruptible, which means that her body has not decayed since she died in uh, somewhere around 1840s, somewhere around there. Um. And uh, a young, if I remember it correctly, it was a young girl came to her spiritually in her cell and took her to the chapel. And in the chapel, the Blessed Mother was waiting for her. And the Blessed Mother had rings on all 10 of her fingers. And a few of them were glowing with light and many of them were dim. And, you know, this is just a portion of the experience, but I'm focusing on the part I wanted to share. So Catherine asked the Blessed Mother, why were some of them, you know, just shining out with light and the others were more dim? And the Blessed Mother said to her, because these are the graces that I can bring to souls. The ones that are shining brightly are the ones that people ask for. And the ones that are dim are the ones that people forget to ask for. And so oftentimes in my own prayers, I will ask to receive the graces that people forget to ask for. And this is something you might want to consider doing as well. So ask for the graces of virtue, patience, fortitude, and, you know, all the things that you would need in overcoming addiction, but ask for the graces you would not know to ask for. Um, and that would also be helpful. Uh, let's see where I left off here. So, Lauren, I hope that's helpful. Um, and it looks like we might have Lauren there. Okay, and then Adrian. Yeah, I think I think we all do. I definitely struggle with that myself quite a bit i uh, went through like a three-year period about gosh when was that that would have been five to ten years ago where i was just really in a deep deep depression um i think a lot of people with spiritual um with just a spiritual nature are sensitive and more sensitive than others and can more easily get depressed. Um, But feel free to expound upon it, but just know that you're not alone, that um, we all do struggle with getting depressed, not being happy that we're still here in this physical embodiment, um, feeling like we don't really know what we're supposed to do next or what the purpose of everything that we may do, or just our existence is. Um, I think that is a common human affliction. And I think we knock ourselves too much for feeling that way. And I think we'd all do better if we understood that we're all kind of struggling with that at different levels and at different times. Because, you know, like I said, I went through a period where I was just really, really depressed. And then, you know, now I'm not in that level, but I'll have my days where I can be very, very down. And I know most people I know do. And so feel free to expand on it as well, because we can um, talk about it more. Um, Vicki says, scent of Jesus, cockroaches flee. No offense to cockroaches. <laughs> Vicki, that's great. That's absolutely true. The scent of Jesus, the scent, the name all of that. Gwen, I am fortunate enough to have opened my third eye. I weep every time I think about it. That's fantastic. So you're well on the way. Ana Yell says, thank you. You are welcome. Vicki, oh, it is an honor to be here in this time. If the battle is the Lord's, it is certainly ours. Win-win, though very difficult to comprehend. God absolutely loves us all. Very well said, Vicky. Thank you. That is so true that although it is so difficult to comprehend, when we go into that state and we experience God's love and realize he has this love for every single one of us, it is earth shattering. Vicki says, anytime, Adriana. Um, Gwen says, addiction prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. Excellent suggestion, Gwen. The 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Look up the 23rd Psalm. Uh, I believe it was Lauren. Uh, yes, Lauren is asking about the prayers for addiction. Look up the 23rd Psalm and use that as a prayer. Thank you for that, Gwen. Lauren says, thank you. Yes, Vicki Collins. Depression is comp- compression. Seek ways to decompress. What lights up your heart? Very excellent question to ask regarding the depression, and we all have to ask it. What will what will light us back up? Because it's it's not unusual or uncommon to get down in um, in our human state. It just isn't, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, Gwen says, he lays us beside still waters. We are sheep with heavy wool surrounding us. The Lord will protect us from drowning. Lauren says, I will. God bless you all. And God bless you too, Lauren. 77 says, I had an aunt that passed when I was six years old. And I think she never left this realm. She may be a trapped soul. Is there anything I can do to help her move on? Absolutely, 77. So I mentioned the chaplet of the divine mercy before, which is absolutely um, a prayer that you would want to consider offering for her to help her in crossing over. Usually when we find that we have a relative that we are sensing that may not have passed on, they are in need of prayer. So immediately turn to prayer. You have the chaplet of the divine mercy. You have the holy rosary. And I don't know uh, what your particular faith might be, but you don't have to be Catholic to do this. But the most efficacious means of uh, helping souls to cross uh, is the holy mass. So you can go to any Catholic church and find, uh, I think they, they ask for $10 as a donation to offer a mass for uh, your relative. Um, and uh, Catholics will do this just automatically. You know, when a person dies, we start offering masses. And then we offer masses throughout the years because we're assuming that they could use the help of the prayers. And if for some reason they're okay and they've moved on, those graces go to other souls who have no one to pray for them. And so ironically, we do have um, that need to pray for souls who have no one to pray for them. So I'll just throw that out there too, for those of you who are really into prayer to consider adding that to your prayer intentions, because there are so many souls uh, because prayer is not something that we see as much of in today's world right now. And so Praying for souls who have known to pray for them. But what I would suggest, 77, is going to a Catholic church and offering some masses for her. There's something also called the Gregorian masses, which you can offer for where you can offer the Gregorian masses, excuse me, for a month. And that is very efficacious for helping a soul who is stranded and needs help. Vicky says, I experienced a wee tad of the 23rd Psalm. Immense. Yes. Uh, absolutely boggles the mind. We have no idea. Yes. MT says, 77 sunsets. I am honored to request for the mass said for your loved one. If okay with you, please share the name with me. If not, you can send the name to Marilyn and I can get it from her. Absolutely. Thank you, MT. That is very generous and kind. And yes, so if you don't feel comfortable sharing the name here, send it to me via email at Marilyn, M A R I L Y N N Hughes, H U G H E S, at outofbodytravel.org. And I will get that name to MT, and we will make sure that some masses are said for, for your aunt. Um, And so definitely consider doing that. If you want to share her name here, um, even if you just want to share a first name, um, then everyone who might be listening to this chat uh, right now and everyone who will listen to it in the upcoming days may then include her in their prayers. And I would like to also send her name out to our prayer list of our prayer warriors. So please send me the name in your, in an email, if you don't mind. And we'll try to get as many people praying for her as we can. And if you come across her, um, there are uh, things that you can do. You can ask her. So if you feel her presence, for instance, um, if you feel her presence, you can either through your thoughts, because communication is telepathic to the deceased, or just speak out loud and ask, I feel like you need help. Can you tell me what you need? Now, if you've read my books, you'll know that when people are either lost, wandering, or kind of stranded here, it's usually vibrationally related, that they need an uplift of that vibration so that they can see the light and then follow the direction of the guardian angels but they can't do it yet because they are stuck in this realm and this realm of seeing, and they don't even see those guardian angels yet. Um, So feel free to also dialogue with her and you might receive some information from her as to what's holding her back. What, why is she stuck? What does she need from you? But again, anytime you have a situation like this, they, absolutely and clearly need prayer. so you start there, but you might get some more specific direction just from trying to dialogue with her. If she was a soul that you felt comfortable talking with, um, Adriana says you nailed it feeling emptying, not knowing, not knowing who I am, why I'm here, why, and what my soul purpose is exactly how you said Thank you for all your words, everyone. You're very welcome, Adriana. And thank you for mirroring back to all of us the same questions that other people are having and may not have expressed. So it's always helpful when someone expresses it so we can talk about it. Vicky says, Marilyn, you're such a jewel. Oh, thank you, Vicky. You're so sweet. So sweet. Um, Adriana, in a different token, have you seen in your out-of-body travelings that is okay for us to open up our third eye and clean our chakras. My experience has been, yes. Um, I have not been shown anything about the Kundalini awakening. So I'll just throw that one to the side. I don't know anything. Uh, I have not been directed to anything in that, but I have had many experiences about activating, clearing out, opening up chakras and the third eye. So in my experience, yes, um, uh, and we're going to start wrapping down here. Otherwise, the video will get too large to download, and we don't want that to happen. So, um, we have someone else has entered the room. Nemo um, Sign Five. I hope I pronounced that well enough. Hi, Marilyn. There's a push in recent years to for people to be more plant based and eliminate meat. But what impact might this have on the human body, mind, spirit travel, and or future generations? That, um, I guess what I would say, and I'm going to just preface it by saying, I'm a carnivore. I eat meat. Um, I was a vegetarian for about three years earlier in my life. I had trouble maintaining it, developed a lot of food allergies. What I have seen mystically would indicate that becoming vegetarian can be good for the spirit and for spiritual travel, but uh, we we have to deal with what we are, and we come from you know a long line of uh, human bodies and human beings who have been meat eaters and. Some of us take to it more naturally than others. And it a lot of it has to do with our own individual genetics and all that kind of stuff. And so you know, trying to force it on um, onto people is probably going to be tough because the natural, the natural inclination that the body has from literally, Millions of years of being meat eaters, regardless of what we may have intended. What's the word, the word, the word, uh, what we were intended to be originally. Um, And, you know, I know that we've all been told that maybe we were intended to be herbivores. But the reality was that, you know, for those in the Pacific Northwest, they lived on the salmon because that's what was there. For those who lived in uh, the the wild, wild west, it was buffalo because that's the food source that was there. You know, there are certain climates in the world where uh, gardening was fruitful and those areas, people may have been able to be more closer to vegetarian lifestyles over the generations. And so that might be the case for people who live in those regions or where, you know, their ancestry is from that. But for those who come from a long line of meat eaters, uh, it is what it is. Right. So um, and, you know, so genetically then we've become where our bodies uh, crave it, need it or whatever, you know, um, certainly that can be changed. I can't really speak to um you know, how it will affect the human body um, or even really the mind. I can only talk about the spirit travel and, um, and in, in terms of future generations, I think that that remains to be seen. It would be something where if some people become vegetarian and it works for them, and then they start passing it along and it becomes something that we gradually adapt to, I think that that's what you would see as to how it impacts future generations, that sometimes these big changes occur more gradually. But we still have to deal with the reality of the world in which we live. Uh, There is no way that you are going to, uh, you know, without modern technology, let's put it this way, without modern technology, if you live in high elevation, like in a Colorado, uh, if you were uh, living in these regions pre, you know, uh, uh, human revolution, industrial revolution, you were going to be eating meat because you can't grow things at that elevation. Um, you know, and so it's we have to deal with the way things are. And so if you look around uh, the different regions of the world people adapted to what worked in their region. We can get too caught up in all of this post-industrial revolution idea of, okay, so we should all be vegetarians. And it's like, well, that might work as long as we are in a modern society and nothing changes. But the minute something changes, we have to go back to what region are we in and what food sources are available to us. And so... You can't judge the past, you can't judge the present, because it's all based and comes from one another. Um, and so I would, I would probably just say, don't, don't uh, stress it. Just um, make your own individual decision at the moment. And I know a lot's being pushed on people at the moment. We'll just have to see what happens uh, as to how that plays out. But look at the whole question uh realistically, you know, not from the standpoint of, oh, it was just, it's just wrong to ever eat meat. When and then when you realize there are whole regions of the world where that's just simply not possible. Um, and so then we have to deal with that. Um, anyway, I hope that's somewhat helpful. Idra and I grew up Mormon and these Easter practices are not really acceptable in the religious institutions. Eastern is probably what you meant, Adriana, right? Um, Yes, that's probably what you were talking about. I also grew up Mormon, um, so (laughs) we uh, have that in common. Uh, The Eastern practices are not really accepted in a lot of the um, Western religious institutions, um, and that's true. Uh, But everyone has to, uh, probably, you know, it's interesting because for myself, um, I followed this path in relation to what was, um, taught to me, shown to me, you know, so I didn't know about chakras before, um, the spirit world started showing me what I needed to do about my chakras and, you know, those things. And so we have to deal with things as they are, you know, going back to the The meat question, we we have to deal with things as they are in this world, this realm, and in the different places in this world. It's the same with the spiritual. So we don't have to worry about classifying them. We just have to be prepared to be taken through these initiations into that spiritual awakening. And that spiritual awakening will take us outside of the box, outside of those boundaries that other people might set up. For those who are truly seeking spiritually, you're probably not going to be able to stay in a box. You're going to have to violate these boundaries. You're going to have to have a little bit more malleability in order to really progress and to understand things as they're presented to you. So um, Gwen asks, have you ever read any Gnostic Psalms? Sophia the feminine version of God. Yes. And the Pistis Sophia is one of my favorite texts. Um, And absolutely. Yes. There's a lot of non-canonical texts as Gwen is referring to um, that have the stories of Sophia and of the Pistis Sophia. And, you know, and even in the uh, regular old Testament tradition, uh, lady wisdom, who is another emanation of Sophia is spoken about in the old Testament. So yes, that's something I'm very interested in. Vicki, um, seen any goats energetically? <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not sure what you're referring to unless you're referring to something dark and demonic because the goat represents Satan a lot of times. Um, so in that regard, not, well, about four days ago, I had that horrible spiritual warfare. So I've seen some goats, but not literally. I was dealing with a major demonic battle. Um, uh, Gwen says, I'm happy I found you. Thank you for all your kind words. I feel recharged. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you, Gwen. MT, I cannot imagine life without chicken. I know, I know. And I love chickens, too. I mean, not just the eating them. I feel bad saying this. Not just, not just chicken to eat, but chickens are cute. I mean, what can you say? What can you say? Gwen says, great channel. Adriana, Leviticus 11. God said you may eat any animal that has divided hoof and that chews the cud. After the flood, God allowed humans to eat meat. Excellent point. Thank you, Adriana. In the Garden of Eden, God's instructions were to eat fruits and vegetables, but after the flood, the instructions were to eat meat. Interesting and excellent Um observation. And Adriana says, thank you. I'm totally out of the box. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I wish I could climb back in, but you know, it is what it is, right? You deal with the way things are. Um, Nemo sign five. Thank you so much, Marilyn. That makes perfect sense. I am so glad to hear that. And uh, Gwen says, men that stare at goats. Um, She's, Making reference to the movie that call was called "Men That Stare at Goats," which was actually based on the remote viewers in the Stargate program, and it was a comedy. They were kind of making fun of it, um, but it is a it's a film that a lot of people remember. And so, uh, oh, maybe that's what uh, Vicky was referring to. <laughs> I'm thinking something totally different. Yeah, so it could have been that too which is uh, the Men Who Stare at Goats. And ironically, Vicki, if that's what you're referring to, I am a remote viewer and I've been trained um, by uh, a Joseph McMoneagle trained remote viewer. Joseph McMoneagle is one of the um, remote viewers who uh, was depicted in Men Who Stare at Goats. He was one of the best remote viewers that our government had, along with Ingo Swan, Pat Price, and some others. And, um, so yes, I do remote viewing. And, uh, so I guess I do stare at goats. So there you have it. Anna yell says, thank you. And God bless you, Marilyn. I loved all of this today. Very informative. Um, and Vicki Collins says at the end of the day, take your heart before God beautifully said, and Adriana, I am done with mysteries. I started Galactica. I'm very excited I'm glad you're excited. Galactica is a whole new adventure, a whole new journey. I hope you find it informative and helpful. I was referring to your first observation. Okay. The satanic reference. Okay. Well, it's fun that we got to, we got to explore both, right? Um, So yes, Vicki, four days ago, uh, very, very intense spiritual warfare battle. It was Gosh, the first half of it was six and a half hours and it was really, really intense. And then the second half was another four or so, four hours or so. So it was very, very intense. But um, I'll save that for another time since uh, we have been talking for a long time. This has been great. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me today. And I really appreciate all these fantastic questions. These are just great um, I so appreciate all of you. And just another quick reminder um, to subscribe to our channel because subscribing makes us more searchable and that really helps us to reach more people. Also, for those who are able and would like to consider becoming a member, you can look, look at our options on the join button up in the upper right hand corner of your page. And that is really helpful to us because we're just trying to do everything we can to um keep our resources free for everyone in the world, every little nook and cranny of the world. Um, And that's so important because we don't want to miss a single soul that might benefit from what we offer. So thank you very much to all of you. Thank you to our members and to our subscribers. We appreciate you so much. And this has been... A true pleasure, a true bliss, actually. A really nice experience with all of you today. Um, and um, Vicki says, it's ramping up. Email me. Sure, send me an email. And let's talk. Vicki says, are you still doing wells and water? Right now, we are not doing any wells or water projects because the donations and gifts have gone down. What we are doing is we're raising money for the Foundation for Children in Need and for the Aponte family in Venezuela. And so um, if we were able to get uh, more uh, gifts generating, I would love to do more wells and water projects. So absolutely. 77 sunsets. Thank you, Marilyn. You are helping so many. Thank you for saying that. It's very kind. It really helps me to hear that, just to know that I'm you know, uh, helps me to keep going, put my feet in front of the other from day to day, um, Gwen, sweet dreams and good night. And on that note, I will say the same. So sweet dreams and good night, everyone. Thank you for joining me. It's been great. Had a great time. Great questions today. Really awesome. So thank you all for coming. We have someone saying sad cypress just been lurking today. But thank you, Marilyn. Thank you for lurking, Sad Cypress. We're happy to have you and everyone else who's lurking or who will be lurking when the videos are being watched after the fact. So good night, everyone.